0: Well, good morning, Gateway family. Good to see you on this rainy morning, but we're glad that we can come together and worship the Lord. As we continue our journey through the Gospel of John, I want to ask you this morning, have you ever noticed how differently believers handle trials and difficulties? Different people can approach the same situation and handle it very, very differently. Some people seem to face difficulties being able to stand fast, full of lots of peace. We've all known the believers who have had a cancer diagnosis... And when so many in the world would be so worried and anxious, they're full of peace. The person who's been ostracized for their faith by family members, co-workers, or friends at school, yet they have peace even though they've been ostracized. The person who's been hurt by the sins of others, instead of growing bitter, they have peace. So we all know the people who have peace in the midst of difficult days. And it's really remarkable to watch, to watch God's grace give them peace in the midst of those days. But we also know lots of people who name the name of Christ... We face difficult days without a lot of peace, don't we? For honest, we could all name people who have faced sickness with a lot of fear, who face being cut off from their friends with a lot of anxiety, the people who've dealt with all sorts of other troubles in life, being hurt by others, and it turns to bitterness. Why in some people's life do difficult days do they have peace and others have fear and anxiety and bitterness? What makes the difference? But we can give the Sunday school answer, Jesus, right? Jesus makes a difference, right? And his grace makes a difference. But what enables those who name the name of Christ to really be able to face difficult days with such peace? So perhaps a better question is what enables those believers to experience God's grace so that they can have peace even in the midst of difficulties? Our text this morning is going to give us some insight into that question. So go to John chapter 16 in your copy of God's Word or in your Bible app. It's actually our last week in the discourse, the conversation Jesus is having having with his disciples. And so as we approach this text, I just want to remind us of what's going on here. This is Thursday night, the night before Jesus is crucified. He's with his disciples. It's what we call the upper room. He's having a conversation with them. They've celebrated the Lord's Supper, communion together. He's washed their feet. And then over the last, really, three chapters of John, it's taken us 10 weeks to get there. So we've spent 10 weeks trying to look into this one conversation from one evening in the life of Jesus and his disciples. We've seen Jesus teaching his disciples how to love, how to seek him for who he is, not what he gives, what true belief looks like, what it means to bear fruit, to be changed, to be transformed, what it means to share him with others. We've seen him warn them, he's leaving soon, he's going away, but they're not going to be alone. Even though the world hates them, they have hope because of the Holy Spirit. We've seen all this building in his conversation with his disciples. And last week, as it began to, it began to wrap up his conversation with them, we saw that they could have joy regardless of their circumstances. And so as we come to our text today, we come to his final words to his disciples. All that remains before his arrest and crucifixion, is the high priestly prayer, John 17, that we begin next week. That's his prayer to the Father about his disciples. What we have there are his final words to his disciples before his betrayal and his arrest. So obviously final words are important. And we see Jesus' final words to his disciples right here. And they have everything to do, friends, with peace in difficult days. It's a a text that shows his disciples how they can choose to experience peace even when life would seem like it's spinning Out of control, and that as we get to gaze in on this conversation, it gives us an important lesson for us as well. And so, what I want you to see this morning from John 16, the end of it, is simply this: Jesus has made a way for us to have peace, even in the most difficult circumstances. Jesus has made a way for us to have peace, even in the most difficult circumstances. If we're facing cancer, by God's grace, we can have peace. If we're facing some type of persecution or trials, we can have peace. If we're being bombarded with temptations, we can have peace. If we're dealing with financial difficulties, we can have peace. If we're in the middle of strained relationships, we can still have peace. I want you to see this morning that peace is available through Christ, through what he has made available to us. So as we come to the text this morning, we'll start back in John chapter 16, verse 23, and go to the end of the chapter. Can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the word of God? I'm reading out the English Standard Version. John chapter 16, starting in verse 23. These are the words of Jesus. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you'll be scattered, each to his own house, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Would you pray with me? Father, we do come in the name of Christ, knowing that we can only stand before you because of nothing in us, but only because we're covered in Christ's righteousness because of what he did on the cross. We thank you that we have access to you. And I just pray, oh Father, that today you would send your Holy Spirit to let your word, of, your word come alive to us. You would open our eyes to the truth of your word. You open up our hearts to show us where we are in relationship to you. And God, I pray at the end of the day, we will all understand what peace in you looks like. Give us grace for this task, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So our key verse, the most important verse in this whole text, is no surprise the very last verse. These are Jesus' final words to his disciples before his betrayal, before he prays for them. And so in verse 33 this morning, there's two promises here that I want us to look at this morning. One of the promises is an unconditional promise. Now, you know, an unconditional promise is a promise that happens regardless of what you do, regardless of what happens. There's no conditions. Unconditional. So there's an unconditional promise here. There's also a conditional promise here, a promise of something that can certainly happen if a certain condition is met. So look for these two promises. Let's go back and look at verse 33 again. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now there's an unconditional promise here. It's the thing that will certainly happen for every single one of us. And what's the unconditional one? You will have what? Tribulation. Well, that's not the promise we frame and hang in our homes, is it? But this is the promise of the Word of God here. Tribulation is a word that's used throughout the Bible. It's a word that can be translated different ways. It can mean oppression. It can mean persecution. It can mean affliction. It can mean general trouble. It's basically a broad word that means any type of difficult circumstance. And the promise here to the disciples in particular is they are certainly going to have difficult circumstances. They're going to have trials and difficulties here. And specifically for them, we see that in verse 32. Look back at what's about to happen to them. Behold, the hour is coming... Indeed, it has come when you'll be scattered, each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. The hour is coming. In fact, it's literally just hours away. They're within several hours at the most of Jesus being betrayed and his arrest happening, and they are going to scatter. They're about to walk through the darkest days that they have ever walked through. But before we write that off, and be like, man, that's so sad for them. I'm sorry they had to endure all that. Friends, this is a promise for you and for me as well. We are in the world. Any of us who are in the world are going to face tribulation, troubles, difficult days. In fact, this is not the only place in Scripture we see it. I want you to see on the screen several other verses to remind us of this truth because in our American Christianity, so often we act like God's main desire and main objective is to make life easy for us. Because there's no promise in Scripture that God's main objective is to make life easy for us. I want you to see this in several other texts. Go back to John 15, verse 18. And just read. follow along on the screen. And If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Then verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. They kept my word, they will also keep yours. Again, not the promise we like to frame and hang up in our house, is it? the world hates Jesus, they're going to hate his followers. We see this also in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Okay, we like that part. That makes us feel good. Now, verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Oh, this is sounding great, isn't it? Provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. Again, it's not just limited there. The book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 27 through 29. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit. Now we like this for like youth discipleship settings. It's a great verse for that. With one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And then verse 28 hits, and not frightened at anything by your opponents. Wait, wait, what's this? Life I'm going to have opponents? Yeah. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation in that from God. And verse 29, for it has been granted to you. What is God giving to us? It's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also what? Suffer. Oh, that's not one I want to hang on my wall either. Suffer for his sake. Why would God grant this to us? Well, again, one more text. James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. We're not promised just one trial of one type. We're promised and God's word trials of various kinds. Again, it doesn't make us feel too good, does it? For you know that the testing of your faith develop steadfastness. And then verse 4, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking <coughs> excuse me, in nothing. God allows these trials in our lives. We live in a broken and fallen world. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be broken relationships. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be sadness in this world. And God has not promised to rescue us from this, part of the effects of the curse and the fall. But God in His sovereign plan is allowing them in our life because He is going to use them to make us mature and complete. So far from the promise that God is giving us an easy life, rather the testimony of Scripture is that we're going to have a lot of difficult days in life, but guess what? God is bigger than them. He's going to use them, and what we're seeing this morning is He's going to give us peace in that. If it was just simply life's going to be tough, hang in there, that wouldn't be too good of a message for us. But what we see back in John chapter 16 this morning is Jesus has made a way for us, even though we're going to have difficult days, He's made a way for us to have peace, even in the midst of those difficult days that certainly are going to come And why? So go back to John chapter 16, verse 33. I want you to see this offer of peace that he gives to us. He said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So the unconditional promise is you're going to have difficult days in life. But there is a conditional promise here that can happen. And that is not you will have peace, but you may have peace. Friends, what is peace? How would you define peace? I think so often we define peace by what it's not, not what it is. If you ask me what is peace, my first thought is going to be the absence of war or the absence of conflict, the absence of sickness, the absence of strained relationships. And so often we define peace by what is not. But what is peace? Can I give you a definition of peace that I like? I think peace is contentment and trust in the goodness of God. Peace is not just the absence of something. That's something circumstantial. That's something outside of me. We said we can have peace in us, that is peace in us, that is contentment, that is trusting in the goodness of God, that's not based on my surroundings. So Jesus has made a way for us to have peace inside of us, for us to have contentment and trust in His goodness, even when life is falling apart, whether it's relationships or sickness or some other trial that we're in. How can He promise us this? How can Jesus give us such a peace? And the answer is the very thing we saw last week, the cross, Just as we saw last week, how the cross makes a way for us to have joy. The cross, too, is what makes a way for us to have peace. Again, back to verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. What's Jesus talking about? Overcoming. This is a word in the Greek tense that means it's something that has ongoing victory that will always last. It's completed action that has carrying on effects here. Jesus has won a victory that can never be undone. He's won a victory that will always last, and that's the victory through the cross. When the world thought it was victorious, when Satan thought he had won, Jesus was actually the one who had overcome. He was the one who was victorious. Why? Because Jesus did what seemed impossible in the world's eyes, and impossible even in Satan's eyes, that a holy God who cannot overlook sin would come himself and die on a cross and take the punishment for that sin so that God could then offer peace and be restored to his people. That's what Jesus came to do, and he fulfilled his mission. He overcame. He was the victorious one. We get a sense of him completing his mission, even in this passage in verse 28. So go back up to verse 28. He says, I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. But why is Jesus leaving? Because he accomplished what he came to do. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to die and to rise again to defeat death so you and I could be restored and have peace with God and peace one with another. And he's accomplished that. His mission is done. There's no reason for him to stay. He can return to the Father. He did what the Father had called him to do. And look at what happens with that. Because of what Christ did on the cross, because he overcame the world, because he completed his mission, we now have peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 tells us what he accomplished. If you'll put that one up on the screen for us. There we go. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus overcame, because he was victorious, he completed his mission, friend. We have peace, not with ourselves, we have peace with God. We've been restored to a right relationship with God. But the good news is it doesn't stop there. We're going down to Romans chapter 15, verse 13. We can have peace in our daily lives with one another and even in the midst of our trials. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and what? And peace. In believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Friends, this is not something that's based on your circumstances. It doesn't matter how much life feels like it's spinning out of control. Because of the cross, if you've been reconciled to God and have peace with God, you can have peace in believing, joy in believing, abounding in hope, no matter how awful life around you seems to be. How is that possible? Well, further down in Romans 15, Romans chapter 15, verse 33, we find the answer. May the God of peace be with you. Friends, how can we have peace even when life seems like it's falling apart? Because God is with us. Because of the cross, because of what Christ did, overcoming the world, being victorious, he's made a way for you and I to have peace with God. God's presence, the God of peace himself is with us no matter what we face, whatever financial trials we face, whatever tribulations we face, oppression we face. It doesn't matter. God of peace is right there with us. The cross made a way for us to have the presence of God, to have God with us so we can have peace even in the most difficult circumstances. So again, the unconditional promise that we're seeing here is that you're going to have difficult days. That's going to happen. But there's a conditional promise, back to the verse 33 here for us, and that in verse 33 is, in the world you will have tribulation. That was the unconditional, not the conditional. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. So now the big question for us becomes, how does the may have become a will have? How do we have this conditional promise that we can have peace in difficulty? Has that become our reality? How's that become what we experience every moment of every day? Well, I think our text gives us two ways, and they're pretty simple, but they're pretty profound. So think about it this way. If our peace comes from God's presence, the way that we're going to have peace in this life is the presence of God. And how do we get the presence of God? How do we experience it practically in our daily lives? Two ways here. Number one, we let the Spirit of God open up our eyes to the Word of God. Let the Spirit of God illuminate our the Word of God. Look back at verse 25. It's a little bit cloaked and veiled here, but I think this is what this is saying. Verse 25, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. Now it's true, Jesus has used a lot of imagery. He's talked about vines and branches, his father's house of woman and childbirth. He's used all sorts of images to convey truth. He's even washed their feet to make a point on all this. And these images were confusing to the disciples. You look throughout John, the disciples are pretty confused all the time, aren't they? They don't get, excuse me, what Jesus is saying. But they will get what Jesus is saying. You flip ahead to Acts. And what do you see in Acts? These very confused disciples are no longer confused. They understand. It's plain to them. These very timid disciples are now bold. Why? Because the Spirit of God, the one Jesus has been telling them is coming, that they're not going to be alone, fills them. He opens their eyes to the Word of God. And all these confusing images to them become plain, become clear to them. And friends, if we are in Christ, we have the very same Holy Spirit within us that filled the disciples. The very same Holy Spirit who opened their eyes and took these images and made them plain to them and took these images and taught them through this and gave them boldness. That same Holy Spirit is with us. And so friends, if we want peace in difficult days, we must have the presence of God in our life. And how do we daily practically experience the presence of God? We let the Holy Spirit of God who fills us open our eyes to the truth of the Word of God so we understand who He is. Friends, if we want peace, we must have God's presence. We're not going to have God's presence if we neglect the Word of God in our lives. God could choose to reveal himself by writing his words in the sky. But he chose to reveal himself instead by putting in a book for us. And we as believers so often long for peace and long for joy and long for life to be easier and better, and we never open this. And we wonder why we don't have God's presence in our lives, and we ignore his very clear, very plain revelation to us, friends. If we want peace, we're not going to have it apart from his presence. We're not going to have the fullness of his presence unless we are going to the word of God. Not just because it's some duty, Thinking back to what we saw several weeks ago, because there's a delight in it. God has spoken. Not just spoken, he's given us the Holy Spirit so that what he's spoken will become plain and clear to us that we might know him. So if we want peace, we we seek God's presence and we do so through the Spirit of God opening up the word to us. There's a second thing I see in this text I think helps us understand how we have peace by having God's presence. That's pretty simple as well. We pray. We pray. We talk to the Father. Look at verse 26 in this text. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. Now, we're going to stop there. When he says, you will ask in my name, that's just an image of prayer for us. Who are we asking? We're approaching the Father. Primarily in Scripture, our prayers will be directed to the Father in the name of Christ. We come covered in Christ's righteousness so we can approach the Father in prayer. But then if you've read verse 26, I don't know if this kind of rubs you wrong when you first read it. It kind of made me stop and think on this. In verse 26, Jesus says in the middle of it, I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. Wait, wait, what's going on here? Jesus, I thought you said you intercede for us, Romans 8. You, now you're saying you don't talk to the Father on our behalf? What, what's going on here? Well, what the point of this is, is he's not saying he doesn't intercede for us. Scripture doesn't contradict Scripture. His point here is this very simple. He doesn't have to persuade the Father to listen to us. He's not having to arm-twist the Father to listen to our praise. He's not going, okay, God, I know they're a mess. I know, Father, I know they're really, really messed up. But come on, just one more time. Please listen to this one prayer. It's going to make a big difference in your life. Please, please, Father, would you listen to this one prayer? He's not having to do that. The Father is eager to hear our prayers. He's eager to listen. And look, verse 27 makes that very clear. Why does Jesus not have to arm twist the Father to listen to our prayers? Verse 27, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Friend, the Father loves us. When he sees us, he no longer sees your sin or my sin. If we believe in Christ, he saw all that on Christ. And not just he took away our sin and put it on Christ. He took all of Christ's righteousness and put it on you and on me. And so when we approach the Father and we approach the throne room, He sees Christ covering us. And so He invites us in. He welcomes us into His throne room. With eagerness, the Father invites our prayers. With eagerness, the Father listens to our prayers. With eagerness, the Father answers our prayers. He loves us so much, He made it possible. Verse 28, I came from the Father. Whose idea was it that Jesus would come and die in our place? It was the Father's. He came from the Father. Jesus came to do what the Father sent him to do. Friends, The Father would have been very just and still very holy and just if He condemned all of us for our sin. But in His great mercy, He didn't do that. He sent Christ on a mission to die to be a substitute for us so that we could have peace with Him and now peace in our daily lives as well. And the Father loves us, and so the Father invites us, Come, my child, talk to me. Come, my child, speak to me. And so, friends, if we want peace in life, not only do we go to the Word of God, or we talk to the Father. So again, the question is, how much of the time are we seeking the Father's ear when we're struggling in our difficult days? How much of the time are we going to the Father saying, Father, you've invited me to come before you? Are we responding to his invitation to come and to talk to him? Friends, Jesus has made a way through the cross for us to have peace. Peace that comes from God's presence daily. In God's presence daily, we experience most as we read his word with the Holy Spirit's help as we pray with the Holy Spirit's help, back to Him. So even the most difficult days, friends, if you and I will seek God's face in His Word, if we'll go to the Lord in prayer and talk to Him, we have His presence. He's promised that, and we can have peace no matter the circumstances. In fact, this is so important. I want you to see it one other place in Scripture. Philippians chapter 4 is probably a text you know well, but it has everything to do with what we're looking at this morning. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. There's a command here. Do not be anxious about... How much? What word is that? Oh, that still sounds sweet. Don't be anxious about some things. What is it? Anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about your finances. Don't be anxious about your strained relationships. Don't be anxious about your medical conditions. Don't be anxious about your future. Don't be anxious about all the things going on in the world today. Don't be anxious about anything. Because there's so much in the world we can be anxious about. And God says, don't go there. Be anxious about nothing. Do not be anxious about anything. Rather, what do we do to not be anxious? But in everything by prayer. And supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, verse 7, this beautiful promise if we will replace anxiety with seeking God's presence, what do we get instead? Verse 7, and the what of God? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, do you see the connection or the very thing Jesus is talking about in John 16? We're going to face difficult days. That is a promise of Scripture. But if we seek God's presence in those days because of what Christ has done on the cross, and we go to Him today through His Word and through prayer, we can have peace regardless of the circumstances. Years ago, friends, when I was, I was reading through Philippians one summer when I was away on a mission trip in another country, as I was working through this, I kept feeling like I was missing something. And I went back to this text one day, and in the middle of it, the Lord just arrested my attention. I stopped in this because all these years I've made this connection, we don't need to be anxious, we need to pray. It's not just we need to pray. We need to pray with a certain attitude here. We need to pray according to Philippians 4, 6, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Friends, again, what is peace? It's contentment. It is trusting in the goodness of God. And if I have peace, if I want peace and trusting in God's goodness and his contentment, that means I can find something to be thankful about even in the most difficult of days. And friends, if we will go to the Lord in prayer, not just in prayer, God, life is awful, fix it. We go to the word finding things to be thankful about even on the difficult days. God's promises as we bring our requests with thanksgiving, with contentment, with trusting in his goodness, he will give us a peace that the world will not be able to understand. Friend, Jesus has made a way for us to have peace even in the most difficult circumstances. In the language of John 16, it comes from abiding. In the language of Philippians, it comes from prayer with thanksgiving. But they're really one And the same thing. And friends, if we do that, I think there's a verse in Romans 12 that tells us what our life can be like. So, Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Simply rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Friends, there it is. There's peace, there's prayer, there's joy, all wrapped up together into what the normal Christian life should be for us as we seek to know the Lord. Christ has made a way for us to have peace with God, to have peace in our daily lives, peace with one another even the most difficult circumstances. As we wrap it up this morning, I want to tell you the story of someone who found peace even in awful, awful circumstances. So you've got to take a step back in history with me to 1874. There was a lady named Horatia Spafford. Aren't you glad names are a little bit different today, right? So Horatia Spafford, in 1874, was the wife of a prominent lawyer in Chicago. She and her husband have four children. So in 1874, she takes her children on a voyage to Europe, leaves the U.S. As they're going across the Atlantic Ocean... Their boat hits something, and it begins to sink. Miss, Miss Spafford and her husband were strong believers. So she gets her four children together, knowing they're about to go down in the icy waters of the ocean. She gets her children together and prays over them, prays for God to save them. And then she prays, Lord, if that's not your will, would you let my children be willing to die for your will? So she prays over her kids. And the boat goes down. They all go in the water. All four of Miss Spafford's children drown. She's floating in the water. Her children are dead. And someone pulls her out of the water and puts her on a rescue boat. She gets taken to the other side of the ocean and she wires a telegraph message back to her husband with two words, saved alone. That is, in friends, in the world's eyes, some of the most awful thing that anyone could experience. To experience a shipwreck in the ocean, to think you may die, to watch all four of your children die and to come to the other side and really have nothing. Can you have peace even in something as awful as that? Well, she did. I'm not saying she did not have sadness and grief. Sadness and grief were okay. They're human emotions God gave us. But in the midst of her sadness and grief, She had peace. And to describe her peace, she wrote it down. And it may be words that are familiar to you. So this is how she describes the peace she has after her four children died. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Every time we sing it is well, we're singing that as a testimony of one who lost all four kids in the ocean and can say, it is well with my soul. She goes on to say, though Satan should buffet, it, though trials should come, but this blessed assurance control, that Christ has regarded my helpless estate, and has shed his own blood for my soul. She goes on, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. on oh, my soul. You see, in the midst of her sorrow, the thanksgiving she's found for the cross, She's bringing her supplications before the Lord with thanksgiving. And listen to how she looks heavenward. Last stanza of that hymn that you may have sung. And Lord hates the day when my face shall be sight. When the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound and my Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. And then as we've sung it before, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. That was a testimony of Mr. and Mrs. Spafford after their four kids died. Because they found that Jesus had made a way for them to have peace, even in the most difficult circumstances. And friends, that can be your testimony and mine as well. If we look to what Christ has done for us, so that we have access to the Father, and we go to experience His abiding presence, the whole theme of what we've seen in John over and over. Friends, we're not saved so we don't go to hell. We're saved so that we might know Christ, that we might know God and have an abiding personal relationship with Him. And as we have an abiding personal relationship with Him, as we study His Word, as the Spirit of God teaches us through it, as we pray back to Him, as we experience God's presence, it doesn't matter what's happening around us because we can have peace because of His presence with us. Well, in this text, we focus on the fact that we can have peace even in the most difficult days. But friends, as I woke up this morning, I was thinking about this and I was praying over this text and God convicted me Basically, I felt the impression of the Holy Spirit basically speaking to me saying, Grady, it's one thing to have peace in difficulties. Why then do you lack peace on your easy days? So I don't know about you, but we look at texts like this, and this is sometimes, if you're not in a trial right now, it's this forward-thinking thing that, you know, okay, this will give me grace so I have peace when life gets difficult. But friends, this is peace for all circumstances in life, not just the hard days and not just the easy days. God's will, God's plan for us is for you and I to have peace, whether you're on a mountaintop today or in a valley today. Whether you're a place where life is easier or life really stinks right now. A place of prosperity, a place of much struggle. God's plan is for us to have peace. Because peace is contentment. It's trusting in God's goodness, regardless of our circumstances. And I, my prayer for you this day is that we would all have peace. Not because of some emotion we manufacture. Not because it's anything of our own doing. But because Christ has made a way for you and I to have the presence of God. Will we experience his peace today? And all throughout this week. Would you pray with me? Father God, I'm so thankful that you love us so much. You stretch us and you push us. And God, you call us to, to love you more. You call us to walk with you, whatever that looks like. And Lord, I just pray this day for myself and these precious brothers and sisters. I know some of them are in places of really valleys right now. And yet some are in places of mountaintops. Lord, whether or not we're on a mountaintop or whether we're on a difficult day right now. God, would you give us grace upon grace upon grace to know that peace comes from your presence. That peace comes from being with you. And God, would you stir my heart and the heart of these brothers and sisters that we might long more and more for your presence every day. God, that we wouldn't go through the motions of our work and our school this week, home life this week, just doing things like we always do them. But God, I pray that you would give us grace to long for more of your presence. God, we can't manufacture that, but God, you can stir our hearts to that. So are in my heart and the heart of these precious brothers and sisters. This week, would you stir our hearts to where we long for your word that we long for it to become plain to us like it did to the disciples, where we long for your spirit to fill us and to open our eyes to the truth of your word, that we'd hunger and thirst to know more of you as you've revealed yourself in your word. And God, would you also give us a hunger and thirst to pray to you more? God, you have invited us into your throne room of grace. And how often we keep going about our trials and our busy days, barely even giving a thought to that when the door to the throne is wide open and you're calling to us. God, I pray this week you would stir our hearts to where our lives by your grace will look more and more like lives of people who pray without ceasing. So God, would you draw us to your word? Would you draw us to prayer this week? God, I pray as we do say that we would find your presence in new and deeper ways each day this week. Your presence in such a way that whether we're at a mountaintop or a valley, God, that we would have peace. A peace that the world doesn't understand, but a peace that the world would notice. And that friends at school and coworkers and neighbors might be like, how do you have such peace and joy and hope in your life? And God, may we be quick to be able to give an answer and point them back to you. And I pray even this week, some, one of our friends, coworkers, or neighbors might hear of your goodness because of the peace in our lives that you've given us and our ability by your grace to speak of that to others. But would you have your way in our lives and give us the peace that we so desperately need that can only be found in you. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song?